Chapter Twenty Two of Darkness and Daylight, or Lights and Shadows of New York Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Bruce Peary. Darkness and Daylight, or Lights and Shadows of New York Life. Chapter Twenty Two by Helen Campbell. Underground Life in New York cellar and shed lodgings dens of the vicious and depraved startling scenes a night in a police station lodging room is one of horror imagine bare planks raised about two feet above the floor sloping at a slight angle from the walls of a room about ten by twelve feet and you have the lodging yet hundreds of men and women every winter's night fight like taggers for the bare privilege of being allowed to sleep upon a hard board or even to be granted the luxury of having a roof above their heads on one cold night recently more than six hundred men and women fought begged and prayed for shelter at the various police station houses in the station house on eldridge street alone the small close and ill-smelling rooms given up to lodgers were packed with eighty-seven human beings in the men's lodging room fifty-three unfortunates were crowded many of whom were thankful for the privilege of standing up all night in winter such scenes are witnessed night after night and they grow more frequent as the years roll on they will not take no for an answer said the sergeant when i tell them the lodging-rooms are full to suffocation they still beg so hard to be taken in out of the cold that i tell them to go ahead they go inside and look and some of them silently turn around and go back into the street to walk around all night or perhaps crawl unobserved into a cellar sometimes the crowd is so great in this station-house that the door of the lodging-room cannot be closed it is the same story in other police station houses the figures differ but the conditions are the same in the fourth and other wards where the worst order abounds and the lowest forms of life exist are numerous basements and cellars that afford shelter and rest by night and are loafing and drinking places by day these underground lodgings are generally the resorts of thieves drunkards street beggars and all the flotsam and jetsam of the night side of city life and they take in also many a one who by some disaster find a home only on the streets by day and when night overtakes them are forced to a choice between the dreary police station house and a share in the dens where outcasts and beggars congregate some of these lodgers have come to the city in search of employment some for the purpose of preying on the charitable public as beggars some exiled from home desire to lose their identity in the vast sea of humanity and thus evade offended justice others who are too indolent to work regularly find occasional employment absolutely necessary for subsistence even in these cellar dens and lastly large numbers of thieves and villains of every description who think the city offers greater opportunity for the commission of crimes and at the same time immunity from detection these people make up to a great extent what is known as the common lodging-house or cellar population here undoubtedly are found the worst forms of crime immorality drunkenness and misery that the city can show 
the entire cellar of a house is often formed into one and occasionally into three or four apartments for lodging-places in them men women and children sleep indiscriminately together without the slightest regard to modesty or decency the rotten boards forming the floor often bend under one's weight and splash against the water beneath this is particularly the case with those along the river front where at times the floors of the cellars will be inundated to a considerable depth and the wretched inmates be obliged to keep in their beds till the water subsides there is a class of lodging-houses on the bowery and elsewhere where a bed can be had for ten fifteen or sometimes twenty-five cents some of them are well managed and pay a fair percentage to the owners but they are seldom occupied by the class one may find on water street and in its vicinity for years there was one den at number three thirty six kept by a man known as casey which may serve as type of all the rest one a grade lower where a rope stretched a few inches above the floor served as pillow and where the men and women packed in like herrings was swept away by the clearing for the building of a warehouse on its site but casey's held its own till very recently ending for the same reason but leaving worthy successors at more than one point in the ward seven steps down the dingy walls of a brick tenement rising above it one came to a much battered door mended here and there and bearing the marks of many kicks as well as of the policeman's club which did duty as knocker in the present visit it opened slowly and grudgingly a head of tangled hair appearing first followed by the body of a bedraggled gaunt and blear-eyed woman holding a baby to her breast with one hand while the other raised a smoky kerosene lamp high above her head she nodded sulkily full she said and then made way for entrance the room opened directly from the steps fourteen feet square and so low that the policeman bent his head as he stepped in at the left was a small bar with a few cracked tumblers a broken-lipped pitcher and some liquor bottles beyond it was the casey bed occupied by mr and mrs casey two sons of a former husband boys of ten and eleven and the baby beyond this was another bed and opening from the room were two smaller ones with neither doors nor windows and filled with beds placed close to one another them's illigant beds mrs casey said pointing to the dirty tumble-down cots with vile coverings filthy beyond words illigant beds you'll not be findin any so good for the money anywhere else a glance was enough by the stove in the centre of the room three men were cooking their suppers one a red herring another some slices of almost purple liver and the last a salt mackerel the fumes of the cooking the smoke from the pipes for all were either smoking or chewing and the stench of the place itself made an air it seemed impossible that human beings could endure for a moment and one fled to the surface without strength to return the best bed next to the casey's had a man wife and child as tenants and their respectable look showed it was not a familiar experience a day later at the water street mission the man told his story he had been sick in hospital 
discharged as soon as able to walk, and returned home to the tenement on Cherry Street, to find that his wife too had been sick in the meantime, and had that day been dispossessed by the landlord. There was nothing to do but try Casey's. I'd been there before, the man said, when it was worse than it is now, but I wouldn't have thought of taking my wife there, only we're Protestants, and so hadn't many friends in the tenement. I'll sleep in the streets next time, or walk them till night is done. There was fifteen men and women in them back rooms, and they hung their clothes on such nails as there was about. The rum is three cents a tumbler, and they all had some. There was all sorts of lodgers. Nigger Joe, who isn't a nigger at all, but only hair and eyes black as the devil, he was one, and he's a murderer and more than once. The three that sat with him at the stove was all old jailbirds, and one just out that day. Looney Ted, he's always there, and everybody knows him. He isn't just right in his head, but Casey gives him a lodgin' when he comes, for doin' errands and such. You saw him with a big head and a pig face, and always with a grin. Three of the women had been in fights and had black eyes, and one had no clothes but an old calico, not even a shawl, for everyone had been pawned for drink, and she swore at Casey like a madwoman because he wouldn't give her more. The wife and child was that dead they slept in spite of em, till they first got to fightin' over the suppers, and then about a woman. The policeman on the beat came down and threatened to run em in if they weren't quiet, and that stopped em for a while. Then Jimmy Ryan began to sing an Irish song, and they all joined in the chorus, and Curly Billy threw a tumbler, and they all pitched in. That brought the policeman again, and he ordered everyone into bed. It's the vermin that's the worst. I stood him till I turned sick with him, and I sat up on the stool by the fire and waited for morning. The sewer pipe broke in the room above, and that flooded the back room, but the lodgers didn't mind. We got out by daylight, and please God, it's the last time. Lodging houses are supposed to be periodically inspected by the sanitary police. They divide them into three classes. The best are known as first class, those not having as good conveniences as second class, and those requiring more attention and more frequent inspection as third class. The police are required to inspect the first and second classes monthly, and the third class weekly. The law requires officers to see that proprietors thoroughly ventilate the sleeping rooms daily by opening the doors, and windows where there are any, to carefully observe the condition of the bunks and beds, to see that they are kept clean, well aired, and free from vermin, that the walls and ceilings are cleaned and whitewashed as often as necessary, that the floors are occasionally swept and scrubbed, and to immediately notify the health department of any person sick on the premises, that measures may be taken to ascertain whether such person is sick with a contagious disease, and to retain the sick person until the case can be investigated. The officers are also supposed to make frequent night inspection to ascertain if lodging-houses accommodate more lodgers than their permit allows. In a report of an inspector of the Sanitary Aid Society, describing a tour among these cellars, he says, with reference to one of them, The cellar is used as a lodging-house. The measure from floor to ceiling is six and a half feet. The ceiling is six inches below the level of the sidewalk. No windows of any kind are in front or rear. 
a lamp was necessary to make the inspection it is not ventilated in any manner the floor is in a very bad condition the boards rotten and covered with filth and dirt there is no area in front or rear and no drainage whatever the atmosphere was so offensive that the door had to be held open while the inspection was made the floor walls bed and bedding were very filthy stinking and reeking with the most unwholesome emanations and odors there are six double beds and one single one in this cellar i consider it dangerous to the people who live in it the occupants are tramps and transient lodgers shed lodging-houses of the lowest order are found in the rear of the great bend in mulberry street to gain access to them one must pass through narrow foul-smelling alleys reeking with accumulated filth or through long dirty hallways of tenement houses these passageways lead to the rear of the street buildings and open into backyards surrounded by crowded and filthy tenements where life at its worst exists here among rookeries swarming with low and ignorant italians street vendors rag-pickers and the most dangerous scum of mulberry street and its vicinity are old sheds made of rotten boards through the cracks of which winds moan and snow and rain find easy access indescribable filth abounds within these lodging sheds vermin hold undisputed possession and swarm on walls and floor the shed usually encloses but a single room on the ground floor a broken skylight in the roof admits the only light by day there is no furniture of any description save a bench about eighteen inches wide running around the four sides of the room and fastened to its walls occasionally a low platform made of uneven and the roughest of planks is provided for the use of those who can afford to pay the extra price demanded sometimes a small space in one corner is partially enclosed by boards reaching halfway to the ceiling the luxury of such a reserved room furnished with a filthy husk mattress may be had for five cents a night for the rest the bench and the bare and uneven floor with perhaps a sprinkling of sawdust are the only places left the usual charge being three cents a night for the privilege of a spot on either the dirty rags on the lodgers backs are the only bed and covering they have the bench is a coveted place and is quickly filled a tallow candle or more often a smoking kerosene lamp furnishes a feeble light by night the air is thick with tobacco smoke from a dozen or more black clay pipes some of the miserable inmates sit up all night and are designated as sitters others stand or move about uneasily all catch such sleep as the din of frequent quarrels and fights and the noisome stench will permit here criminals who shun the light of day and women of the lowest and most degraded type of all ages and nationalities congregate at night and sleep promiscuously dissolute persons of both sexes skulk and loaf in these rooms by day and so do thieves and burglars who meet here to make new plans and sally forth at night to commit fresh crimes old scrub women without homes or friends who wearily tramp all day looking for a chance to scrub floors of offices or public buildings often take shelter for the night in these dens 
street girls young in years but most of them old in sin in some of whose faces still linger traces of former good looks are often driven by storms or dire distress to spend a night in these horrible lodging sheds not unfrequently homeless children creep in unobserved and cuddle down to sleep in a corner on a cold or stormy night in winter these rooms are filled to their utmost capacity a large proportion of those who spend the night in cheap lodging-houses may be set down as criminals and beggars others are irreclaimable drunkards and a few are honest men out of work or men who have employment at starvation wages then there is a small proportion of peddlers and in winter an army of tramps and always a sprinkling of men who had seen better days but are hopelessly broken down in some resorts one can have a cot or shake-down in a room with other lodgers the shake-down being a dirty narrow mattress thrown on the floor in others twenty cents will buy the privilege of a room about eight feet long by five feet wide separated from its neighbor by a board partition seven feet high sometimes a wire netting is stretched over the top of the room as a slight protection against raids by other lodgers there are no toilet facilities in the rooms but a general lavatory outside gives all who desire it the luxury of a wash in the morning lodgings must invariably be paid for in advance and to this rule there is rarely an exception one lodging-house conspicuously displays the sign in god we trust all else is cash many of these houses are furnished with bunks arranged in tiers three or more high it is a noticeable circumstance that the lodging-house is very often adjacent to a liquor saloon either its next-door neighbor or directly above or beneath it the saloon and the lodging-house are on friendly terms sometimes they have the same proprietors and when they are separately managed drunken men from the saloon are taken at a reduced rate or for nothing at all the lodging-house keeper being recompensed by free drinks for himself and his aides there are two hundred and seventy lodging-houses in new york city which contain twelve thousand three hundred and seventeen rooms the number of lodgings furnished in eighteen ninety to persons unable or unwilling to provide for themselves in a comfortable manner was four million eight hundred twenty three thousand five hundred and ninety five adding the station-house lodgers one hundred and fifty thousand two hundred and forty there were four million nine hundred and seventy three thousand eight hundred and thirty five cheap lodgings furnished this indicates that an average of thirteen thousand six hundred and twenty seven persons lodged nightly in the station houses and in lodging houses of various orders these are startling figures for they show what a vast army of idle vicious and impecunious people maintain an existence in the great city End of chapter twenty two